Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in uh, with Oak City Church this morning. We hope you had a, a fantastic Thanksgiving. Um, we're blessed and uh, got a chance to spend some time with family, maybe even family that you haven't spent much time with, but probably not because things are so crazy right now. And I don't know if you're like me, but I talk to enough of you that I think that you are, that there's so much information about so many things that's available and like and bombarding us right now that it's just hard to keep up and make heads or tails of it. And so with COVID, I stopped looking at those numbers months ago because it was just hard hard to make sense of what was going on. But the last few weeks, I've really tuned into them because we're making decisions about having in-person services and, and all that. And it, it's just hard to discern the numbers. The cases are are way up, like two and a half times what they were the, the peak in July. But the deaths, and I don't, even saying this, I feel like I'm being dismissive and I don't, I don't want to be at all, but they're not up the same at the same rate at all. They're up about 30% and hospitalizations up about 20% from the numbers that I read. And it's, it's uncertain to me whether the, the cases reported are tests because everybody that has it probably tests two or three times. And just how to discern all that information is really, really hard. It's a lot of information. The election, you know, um, right after the election, there's a lot and still a bit of controversy about recounts and absentee ballots and all this type of stuff. And so some people will put out, I saw some headlines of there's zero evidence of voter fraud. And for a person like me, when you say that, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to listen to anything you say after that because there's election fraud every single election. And if you found zero evidence, you didn't look very hard. I was talking to um, Dan Fitzgerald and his wife, Becky, watches some kids and she was talking to their mom. And so their family looked at their her grandmother's uh, voting record. She was a lifelong Republican, voted that way her whole life. But the last two presidential elections, she voted um, Democratic. And that's strange enough on its own, but more strange because she passed away in 2015. So she wasn't alive for those elections. So that's like personal anecdotal. And we all we all have stuff like that. So it's not that there's zero voter fraud, but on the other hand, if you're saying there was enough to overturn, you know, tens and hundreds of thousands of votes, you know, you're alleging a conspiracy on a grand scale and the, you have to realize how high you've set the bar for evidence. And if you can't provide that, then everyone's going to think you're crazy. And so there's just so much and it's exhausting to try and um, figure it out. There's a site, I referenced this a while ago, but called, I think it's called More in Common, and they use this language of hidden tribes. And so they said they divided um, our population up into seven tribes. I think it was politically how we think about things. Uh, but they said that the, the noise all comes from the fringes, from the, the one group on the far left and the two on the far right. And that those of us in the middle of that, the 66 to 75% in the middle are the exhausted majority. And I thought that's what we are. <laughs> and pretty quiet, but the noise comes in. So we got all that information. Twitter for me, uh, we do it to ourselves. Twitter is a bit of a guilty pleasure for me because I like all that information and, and it's the Forrest Gump thing. Twitter's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. And so I have sports feeds. And so I you know, follow the news about my teams and in, in, on game day, it's like watching a game with your friends following it on Twitter. And I've got pastors that I follow and churches and 
you know, just Christian organizations and a lot of what comes from them is like, you know, almost therapeutic and like calming in a way. But then I've got political and cultural stuff and that's maddening, you know, enough to make you want to tear your hair out. And and so it's hard. I don't I don't do Facebook very much because it I will spend so much time on there. And part of that time will be refereeing people's like political fights on Facebook and talking to each other in ways that I don't think are helpful. And Instagram is a hard, like I listened to Elon Musk, this is a while ago, and he doesn't even like Instagram, but he's like, you can upload so much more information with a photo than you can with text. And I'm like, wow, he's right about that. So just all of this information, it takes our minds in a million different directions, right? And so with all of that information that is coming to us and we're bringing on ourselves that we consume every day, how does God get a word in edgewise to, to you? Does he get a word in edgewise? Do you want him to speak into all of that? And do you believe that he'll speak into all of that? And you're tuning in here, so you do, you know? And so that's the point of my message today is with this flood of information that we are getting right now, we need time with God's word more as much as we've ever needed it before. And I'm like shouting in my little thing here, all caps, I'm shouting because it's it's so important, we need it. So I'm gonna talk about reading your Bible and the importance of reading your Bible. Um, we do this every year. I got some new stuff this year that I'm shocked that I didn't know, hadn't heard, kind of blew my mind. And we're, we're changing up the challenge the last few years. We've challenged people to a year-long Bible reading plan. This year, uh, we're gonna start with what's called the Essential 100, the E100. It is um, 50 Old Testament, 50 New Testament stories hitting the highlights of the Bible. It's a chapter or two a day for the most part. And we're gonna preach through it as a church and we're gonna go through it as home groups. And so I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. But I wanna start uh, by, by talking uh, through a passage in the book of Timothy. This is Paul to Timothy in the last few weeks. I've just picked a, a few passages of Timothy out that I think are relevant to us. So this is 2 Timothy chapter three. And Paul says, understand this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Now, if you're like me, whenever these guys talk about the last days and they're like 30 years after Jesus walked the earth, you're like, hey, we're 2000. And so what are we supposed to think about that? And I don't really know. <laughs> I, I think Jesus is gonna come back and he is gonna set all things right. I think we believe that, that you know, there will be justice and things will be set right and we'll be who we're supposed to be. We don't know how that's gonna happen. And he said it, he'll be like a thief in the night. And so I don't think we need to. Um, but this is Paul the Tim Timothy. And I think the times that he's describing that Timothy's living in aren't so different from the times we're living in now. So he says people will be, and he gives this long description and he starts with lovers of self. And I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on each little description, but I will spend a little bit of time on lovers of self because I think the rest of it flows from that. And there's just an unhealthy focus on yourself and we're, we're neck deep in it. Um, I read an article a few years ago about how after World War II, we moved into what they called a therapeutic culture. And therapy's great, you know what I mean? But, um, but this, the, the idea behind the, that article and many like it, we're, we're what has led us to a point where what we feel, like how we feel about the things around us are, are really more important than the objective facts about the things that we're experiencing. And it's just a self 
focused, self-centered reality. It's not God-centered. It's not other-centered. It's just about us and what we feel. And, and in so many ways, we're just inundated with that. And this flows from it. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, leading to abusive. You know, I think we see that all over the place. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, um, slanderous. You know, again, people, especially at social, people will say things that they would never say in person. Uh, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That's convicting. That is convicting, you know, um, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. So a lot of those terms, I think, describe the air we breathe right now. And Paul says, avoid such people. Among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. And I don't think people are creeping into our households, but they are through media, through our phones, like just ways of thinking we're being inundated with it. It's creeping in all the time um, and always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. It's just a we're got people going in a million different directions and it's us. And he says to Timothy, you, however, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness my persecutions, my sufferings. Like he has had an aim and a path. And this leans into the past, the message from a few weeks ago about discipleship and looking for someone that can help you get to that, you know, next step in your walk with Jesus and looking for someone that you can help get in their next step uh, with Jesus. And that's what Paul has done for Timothy and Timothy has received from Paul is some help with that. And then he says, as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed. Again, like he's on a path and he wants them to stick to that, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Uh, Timothy grew up in a household where his mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. Um, and then Paul came along in one of his missionary journeys and, and Timothy came to faith in Jesus. And he says, those writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. And then Paul gets to this line that is a, a pretty famous line from the Bible about the Bible. And he says, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. So in this verse, all scripture um, is breathed out by God. This is always a little bit of a challenging verse because he says all scripture while he's writing scripture. So what does he mean by all scripture? I linked a podcast and the in the weekly email if you don't get the weekly go to our homepage, go to the bottom and sign up for the weekly and i linked um in my opening deal there a podcast um called i think it's called undeceptions and i think it's an australian guy he's a pretty engaging guy but he wrote about how we got the new testament and that sounds pretty dry and maybe it is unless like that's a real question because i think it's a real question for a lot of people is can we trust the bible and he goes through um, how we got it. And I need that reminder uh, every so often that the, the books that became the New Testament, those letters were in circulation among the churches super early. They were viewed as authoritative really early. That they, We have more writings than the Bible from that time of church fathers writing to other people that didn't make the Bible, but they referenced these letters that did make the Bible. And so there's a lot of reason to have confidence 
in in the process that canonized the Bible. And he starts with the, the Dan Brown Da Vinci Code nonsense, because that's what it is that becomes, that creeps in and becomes like the narrative for us. And he works against that because it's just not true. So if that's a question for you, I would really encourage you um, to look that up and spend some time with it. And as always, like, let me know what you think about it because I geek out on that stuff and would love to talk to you about it. So all scripture, and then he says it's breathed out by God. Um, it's inspired. And he covers that a little bit. I, I looked at my notes from a sermon I gave um, er, early in the church where I asked, it's talking about the Bible and three, can we be trusted historically? And three questions, can it be trusted historically, which is that process of the canon and can it be trusted um, culturally? Like, is it still relevant today, even though it was written thousands of years ago, you know, and is it, is it applicable across time and across cultures? And that's part of what makes me so confident in it is because it is, because we haven't changed that much and God hasn't changed. And the Bible is still just as relevant um, as ever. And can it be trusted spiritually? Uh, is it inspired? And I talked through that process of if if it's God's word, if God is going to communicate to us, then how would he do that? Uh, what would we expect? And that it's going to be something that he would reveal to us, that he'd reveal it through people. And it would take a bit to understand because he's God and we're not. And um, so it's going to take a bit to grasp. And and just dealing with that idea of it's, it's inspired, like it's something that God has revealed to us um, through these writings. And Paul says it's profitable. That word can mean essential, uh, unique. There's nothing like it. There's not a replacement for the Bible. And after you read the Bible for a while, you start to feel that that's true. You know, there's value in studying books that people have written about their relationship with God or about their experience with the scripture. And we do that. You know, our women's studies right now are going through a book and our home groups, you know, are going through different content. Our home group is going through a Francis Chan book. Those are good. They're not as good as studying the Bible. Um, and, and so you need to get into it um, yourself because like it's profitable in a way that other books aren't profitable. And then he says for teaching, reproof, correction, and training. And it does teach you. Um, and in that it reproves you and it corrects you because the way we default think about, you know, the things in our life are oftentimes just not correct. And the Bible gives us the way to think about, um, about God, you know, and what's true about God, about uh, ourselves and replaces false ideas that we think about ourselves with true ideas about the people around us, um, about our past and what that means, you know, and about the present that we live in and the future that we hope for. And the Bible would teach us about things that will reprove ideas that, that are inaccurate. It'll, you know, correct behavior and it'll train us for righteousness. That word is, is you know, like training up a child. It'll help us to actually develop healthy patterns of living. And so that we will be equipped for every good work, um, for every good work, whatever God might call us to do, whenever and wherever that might be, um, it'll equip us to live dependent on him, a life that brings uh, glory to him. And that could mean a lot of times every good work means things that um, we already know. I found a quote by Mark Twain where he said, it's not the parts of the Bible that it, I don't understand that concern me. It's the parts that I do. <laughs> and we know the good works. It's forgiving others like God forgave us, loving others like God loves 
loves us. It's loving our enemies, taking up our, our cross daily and losing our life for Christ's sake, leaving everything and following him, humbling ourselves the way that Jesus humbled himself. You know, it's all those things that it equips us um, to do that. And so that's Paul's instruction to Timothy and, and his instruction to us about the value um, that the Word of God has in our life. And I think, again, you're tuning into this, you know that, but it's a challenge uh, to get yourself to engage it on a regular basis. I did a little work on, on why people don't read the Bible, so why don't we read the Bible? And um, it's statistically about 15% of all Americans read the Bible uh, just about daily, um, which I, I actually thought that was kind of high. 25% uh, read it multiple times a week, 60% said they read it four times a year or less, and 35% read don't ever, don't ever read the Bible. One of the things that I picked up in this uh, that surprised me a little bit is that millennials read the Bible more frequently than any other uh, generation. So way to go, you know. It actually said that millennials know their Bible uh, better than like the 74 plus generation. And so that's encouraging. And when I talked about why we don't, um, why we don't engage the Bible more often, it had, it did a study. And so it, these are the top five st statistical reasons why people don't read their Bible. The first one was that people are too busy and 38% of people said that they are too busy. <laughs> I read that and I thought, no, nope. Guess how much time the average American spends on social media a day? Just take a guess. You can talk this out with whoever you're you're with right now. Um, it is a little over two hours a day. I actually thought it was going to be more than that, but but even so, two hours a day. Are we too busy to be a re read our Bibles? <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. Nope. 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 We're not too busy. Okay. Second one was too distracted, and twelve percent of people said that. I. That's more much more accurate. We are distracted. We're going in a million different directions. It's hard to discipline ourselves uh, to focus. Work obligations, I think that that's the third one. It fits into too busy, not buying it. Family duties, I could buy that. Um, you know, when my kids were were younger, we lived in a house that had creaky floors. And so I'd get up in the morning and the floors would creak and kids would get up. And so there was, there was not much hope of early in the morning finding some time alone uh, to spend with God. And then at night, you know, when you get done, you know, putting four kids to bed and with all the things of the day, it's really hard to focus in. So I can kind of buy that one. Too tired was number five. And I think that was at least honest, like we're too tired. It was about 8% of people. And then, and then I'm gonna add the six because this is really honest. The number six answer was nothing. Nothing keeps us from reading our Bible. I think that's true. Like We don't have great answers, you know, not to spend uh, at least a few minutes a day with our Bible. This is, here's my list. It's hard to read your Bible. And I, I understand that. It's hard. It is an old book. It was written thousands of years ago. It can be hard to understand um, in context, in their context, and to apply in our context. It's not, you know, Twitter or Facebook where you get information and it's like candy. You know, it's like getting candy. You don't have to do much with it. Um, if you're going to spend time in the Bible, you've got to spend time thinking about it, praying about it, trying to discern what it means, writing stuff down, maybe looking stuff up, talking to other people about what it's saying. And so that can be uh, tricky. Um, I, one person this week compared it to 
you know, when you when you um, you sign up for something, and you have a legal disclaimer. You do this online a lot, and they'll like you hit agree, and sometimes they'll make you scroll through like the pages and pages. You'll just hit agree, or when you go to a site and they're like, "Do you want to accept all our cookies?" and you're like, "Sure, I'll have the cookies." Like you just don't even bother reading all the stuff, you know. And that that's how we treat the Bible. Like, yeah, I know it's got a lot of stuff in there. Agree, just a big agree on the Bible without ever really getting into it. But it's not like that. It's hard to read, but it's worth the effort. It is worth the effort. Um, some of my favorite things over years is one one pastor talking about how it's, or I think the rabbis described it like this, like it's like a diamond with a bunch of different facets and surfaces. And every time you turn it, it looks brilliant in different ways. And there is a, uh, a popular speaker right now, author named um, Jordan Peterson. And I don't think he is uh, a Christian based on my listening to him, but a couple years ago, and he's a brilliant psychologist, taught at Harvard, the University of Toronto. He read the Bible and he said, I read, I was reading in Genesis and I just sat in it and thought about it. I thought, man, this is brilliant psychologist about how people work. He said, and then I would sit in the same story or passage for a little bit longer and I'd realize it was like 10 times deeper than I thought it was when I realized that it was brilliant and it just goes deeper and deeper. And he talked about how it's it's like the original hyperlinked internet book because the stories all attached to each other. And this is a brilliant guy um, talking about realizing that. There was a woman um, who I, I heard interviewed a few weeks ago, and it was in a, a podcast I linked about adult conversions and deconversions. And she talked about how um, she grew up in kind of an abusive home uh, not not in church, and she went to Cambridge to get a degree in literature and read the Bible as literature, and it led her to place her faith in Christ because she realized how brilliant the whole thing was. And so it's worth it. The Bible is worth it. It's hard, but it's worth it. It takes discipline to read the Bible consistently, and and that's just true to engage it. Uh, it does, and, and we don't think we're very disciplined about things, but we are about I mean, again, I would guess that all of you are very disciplined about checking whatever your favorite social media platform is or email every day. You know, things that matter, we are disciplined about. And so that discipline, when you express it in this direction, and reading your Bible is very concrete, it carries over into other areas of your life. And so again, there's a, there's a work to it, but it's worth it. We're not sure, I think this is probably you know, part of the heart of the issue is we're not sure we want to hear what the Bible has to say to us, you know? Um, and so it's, it's as likely to tell us stuff we want to hear as stuff that we don't, or stuff we don't want to hear as stuff that we do. And it, it, we need it. We need it. It can and will tell us the truth about ourselves. And so I've said this before, the good news is only as good as the bad news is bad. And we need to be willing to take an honest look in the mirror that is the word of God but what we get out of that is the gospel, man. Um, while we were, yet, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and so you're going to get both of it. You're going to you're going to be confronted when you read the Bible on a regular basis, but you're going to be driven to the gospel and to the grace of God and to a broader understanding of, of the story and how the Bible fits together and how the gospel is in every aspect of it, and you can start to to see it. So. That's why I think we don't read our Bible. Why should we read our Bible? And this is the stuff that I, I had not heard before, and I don't know how. But it will change your life. I've said that a lot. It'll change your life. But I read about this study. Um, they said they called it the power of four. And so they studied, it's about 10 years ago, I studied 
four, surveyed 400,000 people across the world, uh, across different backgrounds. And what they found is that engaging your Bible, um, you know, one, two or three days a week has a limited impact on behavior. But when you get to four, that is the trigger. Like the impact goes from, you know, one, two, three days a week, but at four days a week, it shoots up. And so they had all these statistics about what's true if you engage it four days a week. You're 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. Uh, you're 31% less likely to struggle with forgiving others, the people around you. You're 59% less likely to view pornography if you engage the Bible four days a week. 60% less likely to feel spiritually stagnant. 228% uh, more likely to share your faith with others. 230% more likely to be discipling somebody and 400% more likely to be giving of your finances. Like the impact that it makes, and you can look that up, the power of four was, was enormous, you know? Romans 12, 2 says this, Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what engaging it on a regular basis is, is it starts renewing your mind. And if absent that, like we're going to get flooded with something, if we're not intentional about what it is, our mind is going to be renewed by the news, or it's going to be renewed by Instagram or by Twitter or whatever it is. It's making a choice as to how our mind is being renewed. And so that's my second thing. You take direct, you take control um, over the direction if you read in the morning of your day. Uh, and I'll share a few things in, in just a minute here, examples of, you know, what people have put through you version of how God starts directing their thoughts in the beginning of the day and what you choose to do, right? And that you choose right at the beginning to take control of that and give it to God is power. That is powerful. Um, and it changes the course of, of how you interact with the people around you. It's a concrete expression of your trust in Jesus. And so it's not just taking in some information. It's developing a relationship. It's communication is what it is. It's allowing him to communicate with you and praying through that and communicating back to him. I read one article by a pastor. He quoted um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a, a famous British pastor, talking about how you know, people, and they, we, we do this, we debate whether a sermon should be more like scripture or, or you know, exegesis or more application. And they're like, really, like the goal of, of the sermon or the scripture is worship. It's not either of those things. It's bringing us to a greater understanding of God to where we're like, whoa, God, you know, because that's the thing will really change us. Um, and moving from, you know, God, what am I supposed to do for you? to like understanding how he loves us and what he's done for us. And that British pastor uh, saying he spends half his time telling Christians to study doctrine and the other half telling them doctrine isn't enough, <laughs> you know, that it goes to worship. And so this is another one you hear from God through the Bible and you do. Uh, this is a quote from the sermon that I preached, you know, 10 plus years ago. A guy said, my own theory of our relationship to scripture is that we are face to face with God as God speaks to us through scripture in the company of other Christians as we journey together in listening to God. This face to face communication is about identity formation. I assume scripture is true and I admit that I assume its facts correspond to what really happened, but that's not enough to describe our relationship to scripture. The magic of scripture doesn't occur because I can reconstruct its truthfulness, but because I face God in scripture. 
God faces me in scripture, and we face God, and God faces us in the community of faith. And that face-to-face -face encounter forms who I am as I engage the grand story called the church's scriptures. We hear from God, and we hear from God like individually, um, firsthand. And that's different than secondhand or thirdhand or fourthhand. You know, the story I recounted earlier about the lady's grandma having passed away, but voting um, is that I heard it from Dan, I heard it from Becky, you heard it from the lady, and it's about her, it's like fifth hand, you know? And when you listen to me or other preachers, you're second hand, like I'm getting something and passing it on. It's, it's so much better when it's first hand. Uh, in the app that we've used, it's the Bible app, version. And um, in, in it, it, it prompts you every day to share, like, you know, a reflection of what, from what you read. And I'm, I'm really bad about this. This is the thing I'm good in the beginning of the year and then I get worse. But here are a few from this year that people from church have, have put in. So one lady wrote, this struck me this morning. It's really wonderful. And then she quoted the, the passage, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And you think about starting your day with this, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, everything's under his control, uh, he will transform our lowly bodies. And so there's something about our bodies that needs to be better and he's in control of it and he has promised that he is going to transform it and that is in our future. And you think about starting your day with that thought and how it can shape the way that you think about the, the ways you interact with the people around you. Another guy wrote, I don't think I realized until reading this passage that the tabernacle was a, it's Old Testament Exodus stuff, a copy of what's in heaven. Also, I didn't realize the Ark of the Covenant had manna in it or Aaron's staff. And he said, this is why I need to read through the Old Testament. And you can, you can hear his confidence in the scripture growing and his confidence in the knowledge, his knowledge of the scripture and your ability to talk to people around you about, about the Lord, about Jesus, about the Bible is going to grow the more that you read it and you're going to see those things. You're like, oh, that's where that is. I've heard that before, but now I've seen it um, for myself. This is another one. And so she starts by quoting a passage. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in, in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. So that's from John 14. And then she writes, if you ask anything in my name, anything, how reassuring and intimidating, I'm convicted by this. If I ask, uh, he will give it. Am I ready for that? Do I really want what I'm asking for? And it's not like, you know, the finger snapped and there it is. God usually takes us through a process to get there. And it's that process that is hard, uncomfortable, and life-changing. Man, it's helpful to know that other people are going through the same things and have the same thoughts that we do about Scripture. And just hearing someone, you know, interpret the Scripture like that is encouraging and it's helpful. The other day, I was reading through Haggai. Um, man, the prophets for me are some of the hardest stuff in the Bible, and so I'm getting towards the end. And in Haggai, they're back from Babylon, from exile. They're back in Jerusalem, but they're a little bit, they're dragging their feet and rebuilding the temple. And so God is using Haggai to push them along. And so there's a passage where he says, Be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Be strong, be strong, 
be strong, work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. And so he's referencing, you know, his word from hundreds of years before that he's going to be with them. And it makes me think of Jesus saying, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But there are days when you don't feel like he's with you. And here, that's what you need to hear. I am work, for I am with you. Uh, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I've done it before. I will do it again. Be strong. Don't fear. Get to work. That's a great way to start your day. You know, you'll hear from God when you consistently engage with the Bible. And you'll know God better. You'll know him better. This is Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it, let it sit there. Let it work in you um, and then work through you and each other. So here's what we're after. Here's what we're challenging you to for 2021. We're going to start this January 1st. We'll send out invites and information and references and sermons. Um, but we want you to join the Oak City Church E100. That's the plan, the E100 group on version. Again, it's one or two chapters a day. There was one day I saw where it's like four or five chapters. You can do it. Uh, it will run it. It's 100 days. We're going to run it five days a week and give like two days off. So when we get into the plan, we'll explain this to you. You need to pay attention to the number, the day numbers, not the dates, because the dates are gonna get all screwed up. But we're doing that because it preaches a little bit better when it's broken up like that. And because when we break it up like that, we end up, we're gonna preach through on, on Sunday morning. We end up at Easter, right at Easter. So that'll make sense later. But so um, that's what we're asking you to do. And then use the app and you know write down the things that you hear from God and and feed it back to the group. So join that group. Uh, I'll say this, listening to the Bible counts too. And so this is one of the things in studying this year um, for this talk. I listened to someone say, you know, for thousands of years, people didn't read the Old Testament. They didn't read the Bible because they couldn't read. And so it was passed along uh, orally. And so listening to it definitely counts. Now, I can be, and I recognize this, a bit of a reading snob. My apologies for that. And so if, if what you need to do is to just devote some time, you know, Kendall uh, used to drive from Wendell to the Research Triangle Park every day, and he would devote that time in the mornings to prayer. He'd give it to the Lord. And so maybe you've got a drive like that where you can just give it to the Lord and say, this is going to be my time. And I'm going to listen to, to these passages and hear what God has to say. So listening counts. Join a home group for the series starting in January. So we're going to ask our home groups to participate as we preach this um, throughout the beginning of the year. We had some home groups that right before COVID were kind of kicking off and got a false start. When Dan and Ken are going to be contacting them about trying to, to jumpstart those and get back together in whatever way we can in January. But we want our groups to be going this together and invite a friend to be a part of it. And so this is the type of thing where if you have somebody and they're curious about your faith, they're curious about Christianity, you know they've got questions, to say, hey, we're going to read through this five days a week, about a chapter a day, and it's going to give you 
you know, 50 of the highlights from the Old Testament and 50 of the highlights from the New Testament. It's going to give you the story uh, of the Bible and help you to understand it. It's a great opportunity to invite somebody in that and just pray and see what God can do and invite them to join along on Sundays and even in your home group and see how God works with that. So we're really excited about this. I'm excited about this. I hope you are. I think one of the best things that we've done as a church over the past few years is uh, challenge people to to really read their Bible on a regular basis. One of the hardest things about that though is because on the app you can see who's on what day and so every once in a while I'll look at that and I'll realize some people started strong and then they dropped off and and I feel badly about that but it's just the type of thing it took me years to develop the habit of reading my Bible on a consistent basis and so if you've tried and it hasn't worked out man please 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 try again and we've like you know picked a plan and are trying to cultivate this in a way um, that will help you start a habit that i firmly believe will change your life because it'll change your relationship with the lord father i pray for this i pray um god that you would bless it uh, i pray that you would use it i pray that um you would convict us to to participate in it and i pray Lord, that um, they would just be a blessing for our whole church in a way that we can feel in a time when we are so disjointed, where we can feel uh, like we are together again, Lord, that would honor you and that it would change our lives in such a way um, that would bring you glory and lead others to you. We love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.